This morning I want to go to the Word of God for you, and I want to share with you a message on a triumphant power encounter. When we look at the triumphal entry of Jesus, I want to try and give you the concept of what was being unleashed at this moment in history. Basically, Jesus was unleashing the full identity of who he was. And at this time of the triumphal entry, at this time of the Passion Week, there is a warfare being loosed, a warfare being waged on the earth like never before in the history of this planet. And Jesus has come as the lion and the lamb to lay his life down. But he first must reveal who he is in order for the enemy to want to try to kill him. And there are times when an enemy comes in like a flood, but the Lord, he's got a plan. He sets up a standard. Amen? So it begins this contrast of powers between light and darkness. The war begins, and the players are getting in place. And there's a constant contrast. The gospel writers are purposely putting a constant contrast between people groups and the powers that be, knowing that in the cosmos it's light versus darkness. And it begins at the death of Lazarus. Jesus purposely waits that Lazarus dies. He knows that he will raise him. He tells his apostles he's only sleeping. And they say, well, if he's sleeping, what do we need to go there for? And he said, you guys don't get it. He's dead, but he will be raised. And they said, well, if we go, we'll be dead. The contrast begins. It's stark. It's important. Jesus is putting it out there. This is the time when Jesus is going to reveal his nature. As he's going to Bethany to raise Lazarus, you have to understand, every time he delivered a demon, every time he healed the sick person, every time he would heal leprosy, he would tell them, don't tell anyone. He had to measure out, he had to pace out the amount of fame that would take place because he still needed to instruct his disciples. He still needed to continue to minister till the point of the Father's timing to Passover. At this point, before Passover, Jesus is now ready to show his full power and the fight is on. And as he comes and he speaks to raise Lazarus from the dead, he commands the stone to be rolled away. They said, oh, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. You don't know, man. And the, the Jews used to believe that the spirit of a person stayed with them for three days. Jesus purposely wait for four so that they would all know he was dead, dead, dead. And so as Jesus spoke, he said, Lazarus, come forth. It was a miracle of Jesus raising someone from the dead. John tells us that the people were absolutely amazed and fame went out. People spoke about Jesus, this Galilean sage, this rabbi that raises people from the dead, casts out demons, calms the seas, and multiplies loaves and fishes. His fame went everywhere. And it says in John, John eleven fifty three. from that day on, they plotted to take his life. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin knew, the high priest said, at this point, he must die 
Do you see what happened when he fully revealed his power? They tried to show theirs. The contrast begins. Evil against goodness, against God. And they plotted to kill him. And John chapter 12, it goes on and it says that the chief priests even made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on the account of him, many of the Jews were starting to believe in Jesus. So not only are they now planning to kill Jesus, they're going to try to snuff out the evidence that he can raise people from the dead. They need to kill Lazarus as well. Well, Jesus is now full on. And they are resisting and furious. Now Jesus is going to enter in to Jerusalem and be on public display. He's not going to sneak in. He's not going to walk in a side gate. He's coming right on through. What is amazing is this, that Jesus spent his three years of ministry in Galilee. There was a stark difference between Galilean Jews and Judean Jews, the Jerusalem Jews. The Jerusalem Jews were haughty, religious, Pharisees, Sadducees, Sanhedrin. They uh, were all religious in their temple practices and observances. But the Galilean Jews were rugged. They were rough, but they loved God and they were passionate about their Judaism. There was a stark difference between the Galileans and the Judeans. And as Jesus makes his triumphal entry, it says that as he's approaching, that in John 12, 12, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, that was the Galileans. They knew of Jesus. They knew his power. They knew he was Messiah. They were the ones who were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he. It's the Galileans who gathered, who had come to the feast and began shouting and screaming, hallelujah. Jesus rode in just like Zechariah 9, 9 says, your king, your prince enters on the foal of a donkey. He comes in. Celebrate him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's prophetically entering on the day that Daniel prophesied that he would make an entrance. He is on display with full power. And the contrast is there. For the Galilean Jews say, yes, he's the Savior, he's Messiah. But the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jerusalem Jews, they say, tell your disciples to stop it. You see, they identify who is yelling and who is screaming for Jesus. You see, I've always wondered that. How is it that on one day they could shout, uh, he's King, he's Lord, he's Messiah, and two days later say, crucify him? Because it was the Galileans who favored him. And they're saying, they said, tell your disciples, those who were followers from Galilee, to stop. And he said, if they stop, the rocks themselves will cry out. This is a display of power in the cosmos. The king is coming to fulfill all prophecy. And the palm branches are waving and the people are shouting as Jesus enters in. Now this is exactly what would happen in the uh, Roman culture, the Greco-Roman culture. Anytime a dignitary would come into a city, he would ride in a triumphal procession and uh, uh, great heroes and military leaders would ride in on a white horse. Jesus came in meek and lowly on a donkey. And as he rode in, uh, uh, the people would celebrate him and it was tradition in that Greco-Roman time that they would walk and proceed to the temple of the city 
where the God would reside of that city. And they would walk up and give a speech. Well, Jesus did that, didn't he? He rode in to the cheers, to the crowd, to the yelling, to the shouting. And as he rode in, he got off that donkey and he walked to the temple. But instead of speaking a blessing, instead of celebrating in the full power and authority, he turns and he throws over the money changers' tables. He takes a whip and he drives out all the animals and the people so that they couldn't stay in. And he begins to rebuke the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests, calling them whited sepulchers. And he begins to weep and cry over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you, but you who kill the prophets and stone those whom the Lord sends. He begins prophesying and speaking from Jeremiah. Oh, this is a power encounter. From that point on, they are determined to kill him. He must die. And Jesus presents himself for truly who he was. And that could only last for a couple days. Could you imagine if he spent three years fully demonstrating who he was? No, he restrained himself so that he could instruct his apostles. But just a week of expressing who he is in Jerusalem was enough for them to kill him and come against him. They arrest him. And it's fascinating that as Jesus makes his triumphal entry and shows Jerusalem who he is, he rebukes them openly, calls out their sin and the failure of their temple and their failure to keep the true law of loving God first. From there, he's arrested at night. In a monkey trial, they race him through and bring him to Pilate. Again, we see this amazing contrast that the gospel writers show us. And Pilate doesn't want to kill him. Pilate doesn't know what to do. He understands he's innocent. He doesn't care about Jewish law. Pilate tries to get rid of him and says, this is your Passover season. Why don't you uh, free one of your prisoners? And in a complete contrast, on a public display, they bring out Barabbas and say, who do you want released? Now, what is fascinating about this name, and there are a number of uh, Bible texts that tell us Barabbas' first name was actually Yeshua, Jesus. It was a very common name. Barabbas is his last name. So you have two Jesuses standing before the Jews. Now, what is also fascinating is that Barabbas was a murderer. Barabbas was a political hitman. He was known as a murderer, and Josephus uses the term for the group that he was a part of, the Jewish radicals, and Josephus says that they were hired to assassinate Roman and Jewish leaders. They were considered to be apostates. Uh, they were the ones that were hired to kill apostates. They often did this during festivals when Jerusalem was filled with worshipers. They would mingle with the crowd and they would strike their victims with a long dagger in their side and then disappear. 
political assassins. And so that's who's standing before the crowd. Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? Do you want Jesus or do you want Jesus? And what's interesting about Barabbas' last name is the Hebrew Bar is son of and Abba, the son of the father. So Barabbas means son of father. Jesus, the son of the father. And you have this contrast between a murderer who takes lives and Jesus, the son of the father, who gives his life. There is the contrast standing before the people. And now the Galileans are not in the crowd. It's the the Judah people, the people of Jerusalem, who cry out, crucify him, crucify him. Now, they stir up the crowd and tell them to yell for Barabbas because consider, who could the Sanhedrin use right now? Who could they hire to get rid of Lazarus? Who could be useful to them in their schemes? Because there was one who already betrayed Jesus. Oh, and by the way, Judas, that's the Greek name. The Hebrew name is Judah. Judas is Judah. He is the only one of the twelve that was not Galilean. They were all from Galilee, but Judah was from Iscariot in Judah. Again, the symbolism is the difference between true followers and a false religious people. I'm here to tell you this morning that in this day, as we proceed and as the world gets stranger and more offense comes from true believers, our brig- our, I believe our biggest enemy are going to be the religious ones. Those who claim Christ, those who claim to be Christians, but you crazy Jesus freaks who believe the Bible's literal and pray for the sick and lay on hands and believe in the return of a king, your trouble. And so they ask, who will you have, Jesus the Son of the Father or Jesus Messiah, Son of the Father? And who do they pick? They pick Barabbas. And he is released. Jesus is then crucified. And then the contrast comes between the crucifixion and the resurrection. You see, this week is a week of contrasts of power. So Jesus, like a lamb, is led to the slaughter. He gives his life for the many. He gives his life for all who will trust him. And on the third day, he rises from the dead. And he lives forevermore, breaking the power of death, breaking the contrast, so that now life reigns and the power of the resurrection reigns. And now... This is no longer an issue of death and life. It's an issue of reigning in life and us speaking life over death and breaking its power. The triumphal entry is the entry that Christ is exalted and is now interceding on our behalf. He made a triumphal entry into heaven. He cast out the devil uh, from his work, made an open shame of him, disarming him, ripping out his powers, Now the power of the resurrection rule and reigns. If the church 
will take its position. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the false religion. Listen to the life of Christ, to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you this resurrection power is real right now. And we are quarantined in with God to grow in that power, to rise up and to be released as a church. After this period of um, quarantine, the church is going to come out with resurrection power. So begin to believe to pray for the sick. Begin to believe to pray to cast down strongholds. You can't stop the church. Russia tried to destroy the church and kill Christianity completely out of it. But communism has failed in Russia and the church is alive. China tried to kill as many missionaries and churchgoers and obliterate Christianity. But today, the church is larger than it ever was in China and is on fire. It is the same in Iran. The Khomeini tried to destroy Christianity, but right now in Iran, there is a revival that is sweeping that nation. In Africa, this gospel is sweeping the nations. The gospel is moving with power and with might. It's greater than any pandemic. It is good news, not bad news. But I'm here to tell you, whenever you stand for Jesus, there will always create a contrast of power. This you must be ready for. I spoke with someone who uh, attends our church and they said, Pastor, I put a, something out on Facebook and I got attacked because of it. He read it to me and I said, no, that's sound. That's right on. And I said, you need to get ready. For whenever you stand for the light, the darkness will be in contrast. This triumphal entry was a power play. But the greatest power is the victor in Jesus Christ. So whenever you make a stand, expect conflict, expect a contrast, but that's so that you will overcome darkness with light. You will overcome hatred with love, and you will share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the triumphal entry that Christ brought, the power of life over death. It's the contrast we live with every day. We hear of people dying. We hear of people sick. But there is a remedy. There's a very famous opening to a book. It's been hailed as the greatest opening paragraph ever written. It's by Charles Dickens. I think it's appropriate that I read it for this time. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief, it was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. Contrasts. Where do you stand? If you stand in Christ, these can be the best of times. They can be filled with hope and a future. 
They can be filled with promise. If you don't know Christ, these are the worst of times. These are fearful times. These are times to cower, to be afraid. These are times when the world's coming to an end. So the contrast is in our midst. Where do you stand? On this triumphal entry, where do you stand? Are you with Jesus as he calls out to a dead man, rise up? Are you with the Galileans as he enters in and prays him as Messiah? Are you at the foot of the cross as the centurion who says, surely this is the Son of God? Are you at the garden in the resurrection that you cry out, Rabbi, it is you? Do you fall to your knees as Thomas and say, my Lord and my God? These are the best of times. There is a hope and a future in Christ. Or are these the worst of times, sorrow, and the world's going to hell? So many Christians stand on that. It's the end. It's the tribulation. It's all over. God, get us out of here. God would never have his church blow out its candle and leave. Not till the job's done. That candle won't be blown out. In fact, there's a blaze of glory coming in the clouds. And the church will be brilliant till he comes. That's the contrast I'm talking about. I close with this. It's spoken in past tense by Paul in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Where sin did abound, grace much more abounds. That's past tense. That's the grace we celebrated today when we took communion. Sin abounds, yes, but grace much more abounds. Sin led Jesus to the cross, but grace rose him from the dead. Sin used to dwell in me, but grace rescued me from all sin and shame. I am alive, and I am a contrast to what is dead. I am a contrast to the darkness. I am a contrast to depression. I am a contrast to giving up. I am life and hope and belief and faith. That's who the church is. Today, there's a stark contrast and a triumphal entry into this planet. It is the church of Jesus Christ. It is our faith. It is our hope. The battle has been won, and the victor is coming soon. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you, and we celebrate you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you're going to do. Your plans never fail. Your purposes are set in place from the beginning. You are bringing and working good out of all that is taking place. The contrast is getting starker and clearer. The line is being drawn. And you're calling out to your people, come to me, my beloved. Come away, my beloved, come away. I pray today that the contrasts in your life will become sharper and clearer, and you will cut away that which is not of the Lord and that which is not of light. And today, as we've taken communion and we've celebrated God, we release this word to do its power as a medicine for healing. 
We pray this blessing on you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, here it is, Holy Week. I can't tell you how disappointed I am that we can't gather together to wave our palm branches. I miss the kids. To have Passover together at the hall. To be here on Good Friday. But we're going to keep those. We'll be doing those Facebook Live. Wednesday night, I'm going to be sharing the Passover meal with you, close up and personal. We'll walk through the Haggadah. We'll take you through the entire meal. The Haggadah booklet will be on our website as a PDF. You can download, read along. But join us Wednesday night, 6.30, regular service time. We will partake in Passover. On Friday at noon, we will have our Good Friday service. We can't present the video, but we will take you through the seven last words of Christ and bring an intimate time of remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus on that day. The next Sunday we'll be back for Easter morning. Make sure you dress up, look good in your Easter outfit. Take pictures, share them. Let's celebrate this resurrection, amen? Let's make a real contrast between those who have no hope and we as a people of hope have. Create the contrast. I think that's a good phrase. Let's write it down. Create the contrast. Let's promote the light of Jesus. I've produced uh, uh, just a real quick two-minute devotional that I'll be putting on Facebook, the church's Facebook site, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, just to help you through the quarantine time. You can tune into that as well. Till we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace through the power of his grace. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Happy Palm Sunday.